0: Welcome to the Digital Workplace Podcast. These are conversations with CEOs of digital companies, thought leaders, and solution providers about how you can become a level five digital workplace. For the show notes and transcript of this episode, go to thedigitalworkplace.com. Well, welcome back to our show. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Nick Smorelli. He's the CEO of Gidelnet Consulting Services. Hi, Nick, how are you doing today? Hey, good morning. How are you? Very good, I'm excited to talk to you. Uh, You have a lot of experience around the technical world. Why don't you give us a little bit of background about your company and the type of clients you serve?
1: Absolutely, so I am Nick Smarelli, CEO of Goodellnet. We are a kind of outsourced IT consulting company. Focused uh, almost exclusively on the SMB space. So, how do we define that? Uh, in our world, it's it's anywhere between about 25 employees up to about 500, uh, give or take. So, anything within that that constraint, we kind of lives in the space that we take care of. If you distill it down a little bit more, um, the from a profile perspective, and as I kind of speak to. Um, A lot of the topics today will be kind of coming from best practices from these industries, a lot of professional services organizations, accounting, CPAs, construction organizations, uh, those that really kind of qualify the value of their time and or kind of see a lot of value in technology really kind of helps kind of provide a good construct for the type of client that we that we work with best.
0: Yeah, and I think it's important. I want people to know the, the kind of breadth of clients you work with because it's going to impact our conversation here. We're going to be talking about productivity in a digital workplace. We're recording this in late May of 2020. So we're deep into the coronavirus pandemic. A lot of companies making that transition to remote work, but I think productivity is on the minds. Maybe not the first couple of weeks, everyone's just kind of adjusting, can we keep the ship afloat? But now we're seeing that, okay, this is going to be a longer term thing than most people realize at the start. So I want to start off just asking you, how would you have defined productivity maybe six months ago versus right now? And is there any difference for you in that?
1: I think there's, there's definitely some inherent differences. I think the foundation, and, I, and I was, as I was kind of prepping what I, I wanted to touch on today ahead of this podcast, I mean, I think the reality is it's, it it's kind of goes back to, I would say, fundamentals of, of really good leadership. And that I don't think has necessarily changed. I would say there's nuance to kind of how work gets done. Um, that has changed significantly over the last, you know, eight to ten weeks. But, but the reality is, from a foundational perspective, not a lot has changed in the world of, I would say, kind of finding productive employees. And I think the reality is, is, um, one of the I'd say the most basic questions that we, as a leadership team, talk about almost to the point of of probably frustration for them is it's Friday afternoon, they're about to head into the weekend with their family. Have they defined what success looks like? And do employees know what success looks like? Because at the end of the day, I mean, the reality is I don't care where you're working. If you understand what success looks like, and you choose to work in 30-minute blocks with 30 minutes with your family, or you work in fi- six-hour blocks, or you can get your work done in four hours, or it takes you 20 hours because you're not that effective. So at the end of the day, is kind of defining that. I think there's certainly, obviously, much more specifics to that. and I'm sure we'll get into that in the conversation today. But I would say, foundationally, regardless of, of whether um, you know, you're know you looking at employees and you're, you have the ability with which to walk behind their desk and see, does it look like it's a productive thing, or are they you know surfing Facebook? Um, I think if you if you take two steps back for what truly is a good leader and truly is a good employee that you want to keep in your company, regardless of location, is have they have do they understand goals and are they doing uh, all that they can to achieve them? And I think everything in between is is nuanced to the type of leader that uh, that I think you are.
0: Yeah. Well, let's talk about some of your customers and clients as you work with them give me a spectrum of like some of the the more progressive ways people are using technology to look at the idea of productivity and more the the least progressive ways I guess what's the spectrum look like
1: absolutely and so I'll, i kind of come back to that foundation of understanding success so mm-hmm. i'd say again looking at the strong clients who so those that i think are really kind of took this this virus and have really done what I would say is the easiest pivot to this remote work uh, world is, and, and they, they have a lot of kind of unique characteristics. I say the first one is, again, a really strong company culture. Um, and I would say that, that is, that's easy. And, and the company culture, I don't necessarily talk about ping pong tables and I love my team, but this reality of a high impact, my job is to impact in some capacity the the clients that they work with or the business model that they serve or if, depending on the type of organization, the bottom line, Depending on kind of how financially acu, uh, how, how financially strong the employee base is, um, that is, I would say that's probably the number one characteristic. I'd say number two is a high investment in smart and good technology. It's the hey, I'm willing to spend. And buy you two extra monitors. So when you work from home, you can work home from home effectively. You have a good system that does, their, that does work. I had to make a few tweaks to our backend infrastructure in order for you to access applications quickly. They were willing to say, yes, there's a ton of ambiguity ahead, but I'm still going to invest in my employees. And I think employees see that as a recognition of my employer is, is continuing to fund the resources for me to do my job. In turn, I have the obligation with which to work hard. And I would say three is is folks that use in some capacity, uh, and again I'll call it BI. So in, in non nerd world, it'd be kind of uh, business intelligence or data and analytics pr- to provide. I would say kind of easy access to general performance. And depending on the organization, and again going back to that the first point of company culture, it's it's whether it's individual contributions to the to the bigger picture or taking a few steps back and more kind of team contributions to the bigger picture. Again, depends on people's leadership styles, but really kind of painting a really good picture of where are we ineffective? Where do we need new tools? Where do we need new resources? And again, what does success look like? So I would say those are kind of some of the, I would say three easiest characteristics that really stand out as far as those organizations that I would say are perhaps not thriving. I would say that that'd be a really, uh, I don't think anyone necessarily is thriving or certain most markets are not necessarily thriving, sure. but I would say, um, continuing to be successful, continuing to invest. And I think now that we're slightly emerging from kind of our deep quarantine, um, are really in a position to, to be aggressive and be on the offense once again. And I, I, th- I think that those, those folks are doing that. So the answer your flip side, um, I would say, again, there's obviously the the opposites of everything I said, poor company culture, poor investments, and not enough realization of where your data is, but I think those individuals that have created new rules, um, so this is more of a, again, a more of a cultural piece of, um, you must be at your desk, I must see you green, um, we're going to be doing a daily stand-up at this time, which is inconvenient to half the parents on the call or anybody who has a unique schedule. Um, We've had even a few companies ask for uh, kind of keyboard tracking or I wanted the ability with which to track people's emails and are they actually checking emails throughout the course of the day. Mm. Um, I found companies that flipped into this more of a, a micromanagement mentality. Um, they are not coming out as, as easily and I think, I think the core foundations of their business model are the ones that, are str- that will stress them out now that they're emerging from it and I think this idea of building trust with their team is, has been missed. Um, I truly believe, again, there's, I would say there's not a lot of good that came out of this and, and nor do I want anyone to perceive that I see this as opportunistic, but um, this is truly a good opportunity to really kind of build a lot of trust with your team um, and show, again, I would say you can make all these claims in good times, but in, in bad, I would say that this is your time to, to shine and you were gifted as a leader, this opportunity to either falter or to thrive. And I think, again, to your, to your question is uh, I, th- I think those that are are thriving through, I would say, strategic smart investment and not throwing money away are the ones that are going to get out of this really well.
0: I like what you're talking about in terms of like, this is the time to show really what's at the core. Like, what are you thinking about? What what means success to you? So let's come back to that. You said productivity is kind of based on how you define success. So when you look at both spectrums of like this surveillance management where you're, you're tracking keystrokes and different things, and another side, which is pretty much just more hands off and say, hey, go after success. Like, what do you think is is at the heart of those differences? Like, is it that at the beginning, people are thinking of productivity as like, if you're working on your computer, you're being productive versus if you're doing what, are you being productive? Where are we moving towards?
1: I think so, and I, I think you think you nailed it with the definition of productivity as you're sitting and getting work done. And so I say this jokingly, but my wife and I were just talking about that at breakfast this morning. So I'm going to bring up this story: is we do foster care, and one of the words that she used to describe me was efficient. And I thought it was the least romantic <laughs> word that she could possibly do. And I, and but it really kind of I think lends itself to this conversation in terms of. Um, Again, efficiency varies between people and the judgment call on what's what's capable of getting in an eight-hour day, I'd say, again, I think we're moving away from that. I think we always had. And I think the millennials, for whatever people think about them, I obviously have a much more p- positive view of them considering 90% of my organization is in that that subset. but. I think this has been happening already, much like digital transformation, just like remote productivity, just like remote work, um, just like moving to the cloud. This has all been happening already. Coronavirus just smacked the rest of the, the rest of us uh, into place and said, "Hey, you got to catch up." Mm. Um, and I think the reality is, is the, the normal quote eight hour day is 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 going away, um, and and going to this more results oriented culture but I, I, but i, I want to make sure i i kind of give a good caveat here and and touch about it and i'll touch it about it in my sales team but it kind of goes back to everything is obviously we are affected by the by the virus itself our sales are down 20 25% um which again in this in, in, in from a perspective perspective is makes us in the quote blessed community in terms of right. we're still we're still okay um and so looking at a sales team where I know businesses are not investing as much. I'm not firing my sales team because they're down twenty five percent. So we flipped a little bit of the script here and, and when we talk about results oriented kind of we we looked at for them, it's more behavior management it's okay. So we know you're probably not going to hit the quotas that it takes to hit kind of these bonus milestones or even what I would say profitability milestones, but we really kind of flipped it to kind of more, Hey, these are the behaviors that we expect during this time. And so for our sales team, it's, it's engaging in, in, in webinars or podcasts. It's um, you're having three new conversations, you're building a new pipeline of referral partners. And so rather than what the normal definition of 5 p.m. at Friday success, which was I landed a new account, it's more I'm providing these foundational behaviors because I know once we get out of that, that's going to help build us here. So I would say the big caveat to my my first comment is sometimes you may have to redefine what results look like in this new culture um, while people are working from home, while the, while the factors have changed. But ultimately speaking, it, it kind of comes down to the the thing of kind of creating clarity and get it done when you can
0: have you as an organization engaged much in objectives key results key performance indicators has that impacted how you look at what it means for someone either in
1: sales or who's a developer or who's doing marketing to be productive no question and, and yes we're, we're huge advocates for it so i'll uh, i'll do a a uh, quick referral for a software that we use um, because it kind of helps provide context for what we do. So we use a software called 15.5. Um, you familiar? Yes. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Uh, so big, big fan of the software and, and and what it does and the the name of it kind of gives it away. It's It, it does objective management. Um, it takes 15 minutes a week um, and five minutes for the manager to review it. That's kind of where the name comes from. I think the reality it's, I would call the product three one. Um, it, it's a little bit quicker than that, but what it does, um, and and the foundation of the organization's kind of goal structure is we have two year goals, then we have one year goals, we have one year goals that translate into ninety day goals, ninety day goals that translate into uh, weekly goals, and so we manage weekly goals through that system, and we limit it to three. And we say, what are your top three priorities for the week? Um, this specifically affects a lot of times our management layer and our more administrative layer. A lot of times our anybody who's kind of doing development work or engineering work. They have much more tactical type goals. They've got mm-hmm. X number of tickets to close. So that's a lot easier to track, obviously, um, than it is kind of more administrative of, of process improvements, continuous improvement, those type of things. But they've got three goals that they have to do. And then we've got behavioral based management type items. So, you know, for our account management team, they meet with our clients and we've got to do X number of quarterly business reviews per week because we know that that is the great way to understand our clients' needs, re- make sure that they understand that we uh, understand kind of what they're going through and then obviously kind of create new sales opportunities. So um, so we do a little bit of behavior management through that system, but, but the reality is it breaks down again, these kind of big, complex future thinking goals into kind of weekly goals. But we do use that process on a regular basis. So you create your goals on the Friday, and then the next Friday, you kind of reflect upon the three goals, and then create three new ones. And we do report out on, uh, again, our, our success in hitting those each of those respective three goals. So every week, we're looking at it and saying, all right, we're 80% plus to completing our our top three goals per person, or we're 60% plus. And for me as a leader, I analyze and say kind of where, what factors outside of our control affected that. Is this a management issue? Is this a leadership issue? Are we setting too fast of goals? So we really kind of use that process as kind of a micro level step. Um,
0: yeah.
1: and, and I appreciate that. And, and I get to see everybody's goals too. So it's not micromanaging, um, I don't think. Um, I don't overstep. But for me, it kind of creates some clarity around what everyone's working on and making sure we're all kind of marching to the same vision.
0: You know, you guys are deep into technology. You know what's possible to create for companies right now. I want to talk about the difference between human productivity and we'll say algorithm-machine productivity that's out there. So as we get farther into the future, it's it's reasonable to assume that machines, robots, algorithms will take on more tasks that humans are doing now. As that split continues to form, where do you feel like humans need to go in terms of what we consider work. Like how do we consider, like you said, success. A lot of times I think productivity is just like, how do you feel like, how do you know you did a good job today? Correct. So how do you feel like as technology continues to advance, as machines are able to do more and more things, what are going to be the things that's really silo into what human productivity means in terms of, Hey, this human did a good job today. We're proud of them because they did what, what does that mean for you?
1: Again, I, I use the word nuance a lot. And I think, um, so, we're a top five goal for the organization, this idea of kind of creating automation and efficiency. And, and it's a nailing to your point in terms of, again, that's not only just create a better process, it's kind of how do we integrate technology to offload kind of some of the more foundational things. And so, um, and I would say more administrative tasks, or I talk about BI in the sense of the controller the definition of success for a controller is no longer I created a PL statement or I created these reports and I sent it to the sales leader or the whomever leader. And so we go back to the the concept of nuance. And I think what I don't anticipate, it's certainly not in the next, you know, foreseeable future in the next, I would say, five to fifteen years, is the ability with the human brain to understand kind of both the human element and then I would say kind of nuance of what does this data mean and how do I properly apply it. And so I think um, we're as, as 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 things go on we're going to automate and eliminate kind of basic manual tasks and thus i think the responsibility of us as business leaders is to provide kind of training and resources for people to kind of elevate their game outside of, again, in our worlds, we'll touch on password resets or setting up a computer or some of those things and saying, I'm my, now my job is to solve kind of more complex issues of um, Neil has an organization and Neil's organization is suffering through these key things. How do we integrate and, and bring technology into that? Right now, there is no AI that does that in a way that a human brain can do. Um, change management i think is going to be a key thing that we're going to see more and more where skill sets i think truly from a growth and development perspective are lacking in terms of kind of how do you identify change how do you find root cause but more importantly how do you kind of bring on and kind of enable change and encourage others to participate in that change um, and i think that's a skill set that that more and more people need and and will probably not be automated out so I would say just, again, going back to the concept of nuance is, is taking some of that data feeds, getting rid of some of those manual tasks, and then kind of navigating some of that as a skill set that we're continuing to look into how do we train and develop, but I think is going to be a missing gap in the next few years from, uh, from the general employee base. Yeah. But I'm, ex- I'm excited about it. I love, I mean, I love the idea of, of getting rid of some of the, the more basic tasks and um, really kind of elevating where I think the, the human brain is capable of producing.
0: Yeah, when you when you think of things like change management, uh, of things like how do you define success in that world? Like that's a very like we're a long way off from developing a machine that's able to hold those tasks in mind and really achieve great results from that. So I think that's a great thing to think about as we look forward to different things. And Nick, when you're talking to other leaders out there who are building digital workplaces as you're giving them advice, When the word productivity comes up, I mean, you've given us a lot of things to think through in terms of of what to avoid and what to move forward. But what's maybe just one small step as people are trying to redefine that word in their own minds, how would you recommend them to to move forward in their understanding?
1: So again, I I consider myself, we we use the predictive index. So I'm a high B, which means kind of the human element and the emotional element is the thing that comes most naturally to me. And then second to that is is data. But I, I come a lot back to the conversation about I always kind of in, in my world and I think is, is incredibly important for all business leaders is to start with the data um as as a starting point and then obviously integrate the people side of things to it. So for me is if if you are looking to say and again, going back to that foundational question, do my people understand what I'm doing is we use a, another piece of software, go figure. Um, <laughs> it's an anonymous survey software. It's called Tiny Pulse. There's a lot of great ones out there. Amplify is a local company that does a very similar thing. But what I like about Tiny Pulse is it allows me to kind of nimbly ask questions when I need it. So mm-hmm. um, one of the questions I would start with in terms of understanding that, and, and anonymity provides you obviously with a very unbiased view and a little more global view of the organization. Uh, we have 110 people. I can't, walk into a room anymore and ask people how they're doing or what they think about this. So yeah. if you have a smaller organization, this doesn't necessarily apply. If you have a bigger one, it it helps. But ask the question is, do I understand what success looks like to me at the end of the week? Um, touch on performance management is, is do I think our performance management process is fair? Because I think that provides context into, do I believe I'm analyzed on what my job looks like? Um, so ask questions and get data um, and see what your team is clamoring for. And I think one of the weirdest psychological things is, um, again, we hold our teams to a fairly high standard, um, in terms of what they're capable of producing. And, uh, I think for me, ambiguity provides stress Hmm. and stress is a huge limiter in productivity. Um, I would say it's probably the biggest limiter and I would like to say it's technology, but I think it's, it's stress or, uh, ambiguity, um, kind of creates an unproductive workforce. And I think providing clarity, we use a, another phrase internally, cr- clarity creates confidence. Is providing clarity of what success looks like. Well, I think create a higher performing organization, not only for the fact that they're hitting goals, but I think it kind of minimizes that stress. So understand where there's a lack of clarity and then dive deeper into each of those. So identify, okay, is there is there an issue with understanding what my goals are? Do, I, do they believe our goals are unreasonable? Or are they too easy? Are they too hard? Um, Again, look at the goals and say who is hitting them and who is not. Um, because ultimately speaking, goals are much like any of your values, if you don't enforce them, then they're they're worthless. Is if you have goals that people aren't hitting or 80% of the organization's not hitting, then they're seen as not really goals and they're just seen as funny numbers on the wall that that are meaningless. Is am I willing to make the hard decisions on employees that are not hitting those goals? And if not, then you maybe have the wrong goals. So again, I would look at Again, I, I kind of find this as, again, for those of you who play basketball or or whatever, this is, this is the layups. These are not really hard things to do, but I feel like people skip to the most complex things in business rather than, again, look at, is there clarity? What are our goals? What is the success rate of those goals? And maybe perhaps redefine those. It sounds so basic and easy, but I do believe it provides a really strong foundation into kind of moving forward and creating accountability across the organization.
0: Yeah, I like the idea of oftentimes we skip those basics we don't understand like the root of what we're the problem we're actually trying to solve and especially the point you make about removing stress stress is a huge enemy I feel like of, of a digital workplace of, of a future workplace no question anything we can do systemically as leaders to remove stress from people's lives is a great thing and, and to your point the idea of ambiguity is a huge stress of ending that week on Friday and not being sure if you did a good job or not I think we need to make sure to encourage people to make sure that they know what that means uh, to do a good job, to do good work, to be successful in there. And, and also to your point, like you said, software, software can enable e- either side. It can do the micromanaging, it can do the surveillance, but can also do a great job of scaling those how are you doing conversations and, and really provide that, that clarity too. So I, I love those points. Good. Well, Nick, it's been uh, fun to to chat with you, learn more about your perspective on things. So uh, where can people go if they want to learn more about you, your services, those kinds of things?
1: Absolutely. And again, a good starting point in terms of kind of hearing some of my musings. Um, we've I, I've got a LinkedIn page. I actually run a, a podcast as well. It's called Zero Excuses. So you can look that up on normal ones. And then it's just gadelnet.com is our... Uh, website. So happy to have you guys visit there as well. And again, we have a digital transformation team that does but kind of help guide clients through some of these things. So um, happy to continue to have these those conversations around both kind of technology, but kind of how that plays into to culture.
0: Yeah, what do you cover on your podcast just to promote it for people?
1: Oh well, thanks. I uh, so the podcast is a, a podcast. One of our core values. We have three core values. Uh, one of those values are kind of zero percent excuses. Um, and and what it is, it's just kind of an accountability platform that we that we use to again for people honoring their promises. For us, the the basic pretense of the show is bringing on uh, business leaders that can blend. I am a CEO of an organization. I am a spouse. I am a parent. I. Have achieved some sort of you know, athletic pursuit or hobby pursuit or I'm giving back to the community in a way that is unique in the sense that uh, for me, one of the biggest pet peeves of mine is um, where, where people say, well, I'd love to work out more, but I just don't have the time or I would love to do this, but I don't have X. And this idea of kind of how do strong, successful people balance? How do they say yes? How do they say no to things in order to achieve pretty amazing, amazing outcomes? And so the, the purpose is to kind of eliminate those excuses, maybe perhaps share best practices about habits and, and uh, for lack of sounding less, less cheesy is gonna live your, your best life. Well, cool. Nick, it's been fun to chat. Uh, we look forward to staying in touch with you and we'll talk again soon. All right. Thanks for having me on, Neil. Appreciate it. This has been the Digital Workplace Podcast.
0: If you liked it, please take a minute to leave a review wherever you it. Go to thedigitalworkplace.com and sign up for our twice a month newsletter keeps you up to date on the best ways to build a level five digital workplace music for the show is provided by city of sound i'm your host neil miller keep moving forward